What's up? Happy football season. Welcome to the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast Summer Sessions. I'm Jeff Sharon, joined by Eric Lopez. Can you believe it's football season in July, Lopez? Oh, I can't get here fast enough. I was pleased. I've never been so <laughs> yes, excited to see lo- <laughs> I, I couldn't believe it. I never thought I'd be excited about seeing football players eating lobster, but that's that's what this week was. Dude, it is mid-July, man. We're recording this on Wednesday, July the 19th, and the first game is what? August the August August 26th, is it? No, what do you get your calendar correct there, sir? No, no, no. I'm telling you. Uh, uh, well, I think USF is playing. It, they're actually yeah, opening the football season the week before we do, right? So yeah, there playing, will be football right, on out. television. Yeah, that doesn't count. I mean, they're playing San Jose State. We know the, yeah, the tell, following week. The real tell week. that to them in San Jose State. <laughs> anyway, yeah, will. Well, the reason why we start off here with this uh, summer session is we uh, it's football. Well, we just wrapped up. Football Media Days at uh, at the American Athletic Conference took place up in uh, Newport, Rhode Island. And our guest who we're talking to on this summer session is Haley Outen from the American Athletic Conference. We'll get to Haley in just a second. But uh, Lopez, what were your first uh, quick impressions of uh, the two-day Media Day event? Well, I mean, it was kind of what you expected. Um, a lot of positivity, obviously. A lot of new faces. That's what jumped out. I mean, there's so many new head coaches in this league. They're like, wait a minute, who's that? Oh, wait, yeah. he's there now. Okay. Everyone's excited to get started playing, and we have a competitive right. team this year, and the offense has improved, and the defense has improved, and, you know, all that. Yeah, there's no question about that. The thing that jumps out to me, at least on paper right now, going into the season, is that the Western Division in the American is absolutely loaded. Uh, you know, and as watching the coverage, and I'm sure we'll talk to Haley about it, I don't think there's a consensus in the West. Like Memphis was the preseason pick and at the end of the day, but I mean, people were trying to make cases for Houston. People yeah. are trying to make cases for SMU. People are trying to make cases for Houston. I mean, Tulsa, I mean, it's, it's a stacked deal and it's very strong. And whereas the East, I think the, the the consensus is there's a lot of uncertainty and unknowns because of all the new faces in the coaching ranks that you have in the Eastern side. I, uh, I mean, Scott Frost now is a veteran in the Eastern Division. <laughs> right. All of a sudden, Scott Frost is the grizzled old vet in the East right. with all the new head coaches in the East Division. And, you know, and not just, you know, the new head coaches, but the quality of the coaches, you know, I thought. Um, you know, we, we obviously Scott Frost speaks for himself, but um, we talked about uh, you know, for example, Luke Fickle in Cincinnati, Scotty Montgomery at ECU, uh, Randy Edsel's back at UConn, uh, and Charlie Strong takes over um, at USF. I mean, this is uh, we've talked about this before about you know how how good the coaching was in the state of Florida. The coaching, I think the coaching got better. In the American this year, uh, even though there were a number of departures, I think there are a few, quite a few upgrades. What say you? I think it depends on the situation. I think Connecticut, you could argue, has. I mean, Randy Etzel took Connecticut to a BCS bowl game when he was there the yeah. first time around. Kind of, kind of put UConn football on the on the map from you know at least in the Division One FBS era. You know, I mean, they had some success uh, in when they were FCS, but but yeah, Randy Etzel kind of put them on the map uh, at the top level. Agreed. So I definitely think that they upgraded there. I think Luke Fickle brings new energy to Cincinnati. I think, let's be honest, with Tommy Tuberville the last couple of years, you got a sense that that thing was kind of running dry. Uh, there was a team that just either underachieved, depending on your perspective, either underachieved based on what people expected from their roster or it just kind of faded apart. So I'm kind of curious with Luke Fickle, uh, with the new blood there, how what he can bring in there at Cincinnati. Jeff Collins, obviously, that's going to be interesting. With yeah, Matt Rule, yeah. tough, tough play, tough, tough spot. New quarterback. We know this about Jeff Collins. He'll have a good defense ready to go with Temple. Interesting to see how their offense looks with Matt Rule now at Baylor. Major Applewhite replacing Tom Herman. That'll be interesting. I feel like in a way, Houston maybe now is under the radar because of that coaching change. They still got a lot of talent. In fact, I still think they got the best football player in the conference, and Ed Oliver, the defensive lineman at Houston. Uh, they could have Kyle Allen as their quarterback. Remember the transfer mm-hmm. from uh, you know, A&M. So I think Houston's maybe all of a sudden could be a sleeper. Uh, and then Charlie Strong, obviously, at South Florida. And this is, I know, where there's a lot of the back and forth on this. I know you think they've upgraded there. I personally don't. Uh, I think Willie Taggart, it'll be interesting to see if Quentin Flowers and USF and their offense 
will be as good without Willie Taggart, which people forget was the play caller for that offense. Yeah. So uh, I, I'm fascinated to see because all the expectations are on USF. You know, they were the overwhelming favorite to win the East, the overwhelming favorite to win the conference. And uh, that will be interesting because with that comes uh, be the target. And I found it interesting, Jeff. Scott Frost making the comments about he's tired of people patting him in the back for going six and six. Uh, I think in a way UCF, I think he likes where people have it, where everybody's picking USF. Everybody's like, oh, UCF, you had a great six and six year, you know, oh, you know. I, 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 they're right there in that second spot. And I, I think he likes where they're at. I think he likes the fact that people are just kind of conceding things to USF because I think he could use that to his players as motivation. Mm-hmm. I, I, that's the impression that I got. And I think they're going to have a – I think the players coming out of that, well, he'll use that to give the players motivation, a little bit of a chip on the shoulder going into the year that, hey, they're pick, you know, people think that uh, you're a 6-6 six and six team only. Let's show them that you're better than that. Let's show that you can compete for the conference title. So that was my takeaway from kind of reading between the lines and watching the coverage uh, this week. I'm with you on that. Uh, the best place to sort of fly is below the radar. You know, and we know that you know Charlie Strong is going to come into USF with a lot of flash, and um, and that's fine. You know, okay, we'll kind of stay up here and and just and you know just kind of roll through our schedule and see what happens um, the rest of the way. So uh, let's get to Haley because um, you know she was the point guard of the entire Media Day show for the American Athletic Conference and the American. Uh, digital network, and uh, she was very kind enough to uh, spend some time with us, sort of debriefing off of uh, Media Day, and kind of give us her impressions of everything that she uh, that she saw and reported on from uh, Newport, Rhode Island. So here is our interview with Haley Alton. Joining us now, fresh off the hot seat up in Newport, Rhode Island, reporter and host of uh, the American Athletic Conference and the American Digital Network, a good friend of ours from. Uh, well, pretty much anything American Athletic Conference related, she knows about it and can tell you all about it. Haley Outen joins us once again. Haley, how are you uh, now that media days are uh, all finished up? You know, I'm I'm recovering, but it was such a fun <laughs> couple of days. I'm like kind of sad that it's over. What was the most fun part? Um, you know what? I think like the funniest part is for sure on Monday night watching all the student athletes eat the lobsters, and I think like the greatest thing is. You know, so many of these guys like have never actually like gone through the cracking process of eating the lobster. So like that was a blast. And we actually featured that on our live show on Monday night. We took we had the chef like walk some of the players through that. And it was pretty funny to watch. But then imagine that. And hey, you guys uh, can probably uh, you guys are probably saw this on social media. But the UCF guys got a little bit competitive with the lobsters and they were like setting lobster eating records. Um, so that was pretty entertaining, but I think it's just overall seeing everybody have such a fun time because, um, outside of the, you know, the football side and the, um, you know, the media day while we're actually all there, I think everyone just really enjoys themselves. So it's, it's nice to see all of that. Well, and the highlight, uh, from that live show is, you know, you were doing interviews and you broke a big story, uh, where, you know, Mr. Hancock there, uh, is allergic. <laughs> You saved a life, Haley. You saved a life. He's come up with like the new, the latest and greatest uh, combination. I think he said corn on the cob and ice cream. <laughs> wait, so, wait. He's he's allergic to corn on the cob and ice cream, or he's no, no, no. no. He's allergic to shellfish, oh, okay. so he couldn't yeah. eat the lobster. Um, so he was headed for corn on the cob and ice cream. Um, so pretty interesting pairing. But if Bill Hancock's doing it then I think it's worth trying because, okay. I mean, he's a smart guy. Note to self, <laughs> come December, Bill Hancock is allergic to shellfish. Okay. All right. <laughs> which I thought, which was fantastic, which was fantastic because as I'm watching this and Haley and Andy Katz are talking to him, they're showing, you know, you see footage in the background of, you know, people looking at the lobster and getting ready for seafood. And he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of allergic. I'm like, wow, this is an awkward place to be at. <laughs> right. It's kind of the worst place in the world to be if you're allergic to seafood. If you're allergic this to awesome. shellfish is in Newport, Rhode Island, where they're, where they're serving lobsters by the dozen for crying out loud. You know what, though? <laughs> what they don't tell you is that, um, that they're also serving steak and sausage and cornbread and all these other awesome foods. So if you don't like seafood, 
uh, you will not starve. Okay, good. No, that's actually that's good to know now. Okay, that 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 now changes my <laughs> mind and future. Yeah. Not that we don't like lobster. It's just that's also that's also fun surfing turf. All right, let's talk a little football while we have while we have the chance. All right, so <laughs> it's mid July football in July. Here we go. Training camps right around the corner. Um, the American Athletic Conference preseason poll uh, is out, and uh, for our purposes, UCF picked second. In the East, behind uh, behind USF, uh, Temple, Cincinnati, East Carolina, UConn round out the East. In the West, uh, Memphis has been picked as the favorite, uh, followed by Houston, Navy, Tulsa, SMU, Tulane. Uh, a little bit surprised at uh, the fact that Temple dropped that much, and also that Houston was not picked as a favorite uh, in the West. Now, everyone seems to be super, super high on Memphis. Um, from your perspective, how, how did the polls shake out from what you're saying? What, what, what do you think was some of the reasoning behind how everything kind of shook out? Yeah, you know, I don't even know, I guess, where to start. And I think that's a really good thing because I think it says how competitive this league is going to be this year. And I guess just looking at the East, um, you know, USF, obviously the overwhelming favorite on paper, they have all the tools to do it. So I don't think anybody was really surprised there. Um, you know, for UCF to come in second, I think that really shows the belief that, um, the media, cause they're the ones who are voting, um, have the belief in Scott Frost and what he was able to do in just year one and the talent that's returning there. But ironically enough on both sides of the poll, you have last year's divisional champions both coming in at third. And I think, you know, I think the uncertainty surrounding Temple is obviously at the quarterback situation. Um, so it's tough to understand where a program is at when you haven't seen their quarterback. And I think we saw that translate into Tulsa um, being ranked where they are, um, because that's a 10 win team from last year and they're coming in at number four. So, um, I think that has to do with some uncertainty regarding temple, but looking at the West, I mean, all the media members that I spoke to, um, on Monday leading up to the event, I don't, I didn't get the sense that anybody really voted the same way. And it was like, some people had SMU near the top. Some people had, you know, Houston winning it. Some, it was all over the place. And I think Probably the most surprising thing for me, and this has actually just been the past couple of years, um, is Navy. And Navy, they joined the conference a couple years ago, and they have yet to lose a West Division title, yet they're, they've never been picked to win it. <laughs> <laughs> and um, until they do otherwise, I just have a hard, hard time believing that um, they're not going to be up in the mix somewhere uh, near the top. And so... Um, Coach Ken, I mean, they just find a way to win, and they have some relentless guys on that team. But year in and year out, they just—they're not getting that respect. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I think that—that's kind of the biggest surprise for me. But the West Division really stands out this year. I think that you know, top to bottom, it's a—it's going to be—it's going to be a really tough uh, slate of games for the guys competing in the West, especially. And not to say that the East isn't competitive. I just think there's a lot more uncertainty surrounding it, and that's because four of the five new head coaches in the league come from the east side of the division. So until they start rolling and we see them in those first couple of weeks, it's gonna it's kind of tough to tell how things are gonna go. Well, with USF in particular, I thought you know I mean the, the fact that they're picked to finish first with a new head coach and Charlie Strong. Um, I've told people throughout this offseason that I, I thought you know no offense to Willie Taggart, but I thought. Charlie Strong was an upgrade for USF, and I guess the media thought that too. Is uh, what, what was your impression of Coach Strong when you talked to him? I mean, he is—he's serious. He's all business. Um, he knows what he inherited. I mean, he even said it on our live show that Willie Taggart left him in a really great situation, and starting first and foremost with the quarterback that he inherits. Um, so I think, I think he knows that the potential they have this year, and. Um, you know, that he's in a pretty good spot, but, but he's also, you know, I mean, he, he comes from a really difficult situation. He comes from a high pressure situation. Um, so in that sense, it's almost, I don't want to say it's easier by any stretch, but he's dealt with pressure. He's done, you know, he, he's dealt with that. And I think his familiarity with the league, I mean, this isn't his first time coaching in the American. He right. coached Louisville in the first year of the league. So 
he has that familiarity. He's been in some of the most high pressure situations when it comes to fans, administration and things of that nature. So um, I think he's in a pretty good spot and he is not rebuilding. Um, He inherited a pretty good culture. And so he has the tools to get it done. And it's, uh, it's definitely not going to be easy. I think, you know, you look at the schedule and out of conference, there may not be anybody that's like really, really sticking out. But I think in conference, I mean, we've seen it happen to USF the past couple of years. People have had high expectations for them. And we saw it happen last year. You know, you lose the wrong game in the East Division and all of a sudden you're out of that championship game. So they're going to have to play a really clean season. Well, it happened to Houston last year. Houston beat Oklahoma and Louisville out of the conference, but yet they lost the wrong games in the division, including at Navy, and that was why they weren't even in the championship game last year. So, yeah, I think you're right. I think USF's challenge will be probably more in the conference than out of the conference. And what's fascinating is you're now like a veteran at these media days because there's so many new faces. You mentioned the coaches, the uh, the new coaches on the eastern side. That's not even including Major Applewhite in uh, Houston. Uh, what's that like to see all the new faces? What were your impression on the new, uh, all the new faces and the new coaches uh, as far as what they kind of stood out as you talked to them? Yeah. So the great thing about this league, you know, um, is that the, you know, the quality of coaches that it attracts. And so that has led, um, you know, to every single year having several new faces to meet because people are going on to get really great jobs and I'd call them dream jobs. So every year we've had a handful of new coaches since I've started working here a few years ago and covering this league. But I think the really interesting thing about the mix of coaches this year is the mix of um, new and up and coming and the mix of tradition. So you have somebody like, you know, a major Apple white and you have somebody like Randy Edsel and Jeff Collins. I mean, it's there, there's so much of that um, really, you know, the modern, the, you know, the players coach, I mean, Jeff Collins, I mean, the amount of energy he has, I was, I was like blown away by him. I think he's, he's so much fun. You can tell the players love him. Um, He's got a ton of energy. He's, he's hip. He's cool. He's got swag written all over him. Major Applewhite. I mean, he's, he's a totally different energy than Tom Herman, but he's really comfortable with that. He um he just has a different style, but that you know the players seem to have transitioned pretty smoothly because it's not like they're getting a brand new head coach. This is a face that they're familiar with, but he he's not trying to be Tom Herman, and he is very confident in his coaching style, which I think is great. And I also think that's really interesting. But then you have Randy Edsall, who's like old school. He's tradition. Um, he has a totally different outlook than all the young guys out there. You know, he's been doing this a really long time. So I just think that there's such a different mix of personalities and um, it'll be really interesting to see how that translates to all those individual situations that they're inheriting. Yeah. We here at UCF can tell you all about Jeff Collins because <laughs> he was, he was, uh, he was actually um, the uh, uh, defensive coordinator uh, when, uh, when I was actually working at UCF and, and that was the he just kind of stu- he just stood out in the exact way that you mentioned. He's just high energy all the time. It was it was almost exhausting to keep up with him. I don't know how the players did it all those all those years, but uh, he's going to be certainly all these coaches are going to be challenges for UCF to go uh, up against. I want to talk about the conference at large for a second because um, Mike Oresco, um, the commissioner of the American, the laid out the big. Well, for lack of a term, branding that that the conference is rolling out for this year, and that's the Power Six, right? hashtag yeah. hashtag American Power and uh, and <laughs> yeah, P six, right? And I, I think that this was sort of the big story that you know for us in the media that came out of Media Days is that uh, is the American Athletic Conference, you know, trying to set itself apart. Um. In terms of you know, I mean, it, we can go on and on about the uh, about the levels in FBS college football, but uh, the fact is, the American is on a different playing field than the so-called Group of Five, which is where the, where I think the American gets unfairly lumped into. And Mike Oresco, with his you know background, is trying to set the conference up smartly. I think. Uh, for media rights coming up in the next few years, and to, and 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 with the and with the college football playoff, so um, 
give us some of the background on this. What's the what's the idea behind it? What is how did the idea come about? And uh, and what was sort of the play that you were that you were sensing from the media when uh, when the conference made this push with the Power Six? You know, I think it goes it dates back to last year, and um, Commissioner Rusco has certainly displayed a lot of leadership, and he's he's been um, really passionate about this campaign since day one. I think last year when um, you know people started catching wind of it and it started rolling out. It came at a little bit of an awkward time. And, um, you know, at the time he wasn't afraid to acknowledge that and everything going on with the big 12 and schools making their cases to be in it. And, uh, you know, he didn't shy away from that. He didn't, you know, he, he still believed in the campaign, but I think once all of that kind of settled and, um, you know, everybody kind of realized like, this is, this is our league and let's, you know, make the most of it and let's, Let's continue moving forward. So I think, you know, this past year is has been um, continuing to kind of just make people aware of the accomplishments that this league has had and continues to have. And um, so rolling out this P6 campaign at Media Day, I actually think, I mean, it was, I think, you know, maybe at first people were unsure, but I think leaving there yesterday, it really caught a lot of attention. Um, everybody that I spoke with was like, you know, Commissioner Resco isn't, um, he's not ignoring the fact that there's, you know, a financial gap between us or the American, I should say, and, you know, the five other conferences. But his messaging is that there is the will and the ability and the work ethic to get there and that we will get there. Um, it's just going to take a little bit of time and that he knows that it has to be backed up on the field and those results have to come along with it. So I think that, um, I think that overall it was received really, really well. And it's kind of like one of those things, like if you're going to do something, go all out with it. And it was everywhere. I mean, it was on every backdrop, you know, every pop-up sign, lapel pins, lanyards, everything. And so um, it's an initiative. And I think that the conference has really gotten behind it. And I think that um, I don't think it'll be ignored this year. I think the media, it's, it's in everybody's minds. And, um, you know, even I think probably the thing that resonated with me the most was, um, really neat that Vern Lundquist, he moderated the two coaches roundtables and, you know, he thinks that this conference deserves a spot in the college football playoff. And, um, you know, that's somebody who, um, has a major reputation in college football. And, um, I think that that's kind of the, the point is to try to get into that conversation. And one last thing I'll say about it is, um, I asked Bill Hancock and that same conversation at the Clambake Monday night, I asked him, you know, in the near future, could you see an American team playing in the college football playoff? And he said, absolutely. And, you know, he said Houston was perfectly aligned to do it last year. So I think yeah. that that's, I think it is going in the direction that uh, Commissioner Rusco wants it to go. And I think it was really well received. Plus it's happened before, you know, when we had the BCS, UCF got in there. And, uh, yep. you know, and, and in the first year of the American, I think, yeah, I think that the other thing is, you know, we as fans kind of look at is, well, it, it, it's, it's that automatic bid that's going to be, that's going to be the, the thing. And whenever the contract, you know, comes up for negotiation, there's been rumors flying around about, you know, whether they'll expand the playoff from four teams to six or eight. And if they do, I think the American is in a pretty good spot, um, to 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 sort of reap the benefits of that, and I think the schools are too, because um, you know, for example, if you take a look, you know, you look at Houston, you look at UCF; these are schools that have the that have more or less the academic and you know big state school profile of a, of a lot of those other schools that you see in the so called Power Five. Um, and sort of fit right hey, in the profile. It's, it's, just, it's the power six and group of four now. You got to get on right. Okay, power si- in the <laughs> yeah in the power six, and, uh, <laughs> and and you know, but but you know, let's face it, and you know, we know how good UConn has been, um, you know, for the league in general. So I think it, I think it fits. But um, Eric, you uh, Eric, go ahead. Did you have think a thing that you were going to add to? No, no. I mean, I, I think it's well said there. I just wanted to ask her. You, she got a chance. Uh, you and Andy Gresh got a chance to talk to uh, Mr. Shaq Griffin and Scott Frost. And I wanted your takeaway. This is the second year now you've talked to Scott Frost in media days, kind of compare from last year to this year. And then uh, Shaq Griffin, uh, he's got a pretty good personality, doesn't he? Oh, my gosh. Well, yeah, let me start with with Shaquem. 
that is that is the man right there. So like most fun interview I think I've ever done with a player. I mean, he is he is great. And whenever football comes to an end for him one day, he's got to be like a motivational speaker or something because I was like so inspired by him throughout the whole conversation. It was actually really funny because at one point I mean, Shaquem, he's talking and talking and talking. And we looked over to, to Coach Frost on the other end of the desk and it was like, do you know, like, this guy is great. And it's like, he's like, yeah, basically, like, Shaquem, he does all the talking. And it actually ends up working out well for Coach Frost because, you know, he he is like, yeah, this Coach guy Coach Frost like, is a pretty quiet chap, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so uh, yeah, no, Shaquem, he was, he was awesome, super entertaining, and just like a really, really uh, good guy. So that was, that was awesome to get a chance to talk to him. And I think the biggest difference in talking to Coach Frost this year was, um, you know, he's, He's a, you know, he's a, he's a quieter guy, but I think, you know, you definitely sensed a greater sense of confidence, um, that he has here in year two. Um, you know, I think he learned a lot about himself in year one. And, um, but I think the one thing that stuck out to me was that, you know, he's like, everyone's patting us on the back for having six wins last season because we were winless the year before. And he's like, I'm not happy with six wins. And so I just think he has a greater sense of confidence. He has really high standards for himself and his team and his program. And uh, he's not going to stop until, until he gets there. So it was, it was pretty cool. He definitely seems like he's, he's taking it to the next level and um, yeah, kind of found out a lot about himself the past year and is going to, you know, challenge himself to be a better coach even here in year two. So that's pretty cool. But yeah, Jack's Jack's the guy. He's cool. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he is. He's definitely a very good, uh, you know, talk about, you mentioned Vern Lundquist. You got to MC it. Andy Katz, you got to work with as part of the coverage this week. Uh, I think it speaks volume, as you mentioned, about, you know, these are big time media people that are involved in and in, in, are covering the American Athletic Conference. I know you had media people that you interviewed as well. And, and the word is getting out there. And I think pretty much a consensus, the respect is there for the conference and, and, in particular, uh, with Navy and football and the brand that they have brought, I think people have, have been well-received. And with now, the new addition in basketball, I know this will be a focus once we get to the basketball season, but Wichita State being added uh, it seems to be at a big approval rating. And I can sense when you've talked to Mr. Resco this week, uh, he's definitely got very excited about where that's headed uh, as far as the, the conference is concerned. Yeah, well, first of all, how lucky am I? I got to host a live show with... Andy Katz and Andy Gresh, who is just an outstanding personality in his own right. But um, yeah, Vern Lundquist moderating. We had him up on the set. I mean, we had Ralph Russo um, on our set during our live show. I mean, I got to work with some of the best in the business this week. and I feel really, really fortunate about that. But I mean, I think, you know, one of the points that Andy Katz made was, you know, the addition of a couple of these conferences or a couple of these schools rather in the past couple of years, and that being Navy and football and Wichita State and all the other sports. And they're two really, really impactful additions. Navy and football, you know, they have a great following, they have great tradition, and they have, you know, great talent on the football fields. And it definitely bettered our football league. Wichita State, men's basketball is going to speak for itself this year. They're going to be a preseason top 10 team. And um, it's going to, without question, strengthen our basketball league. So two just really, really strong additions. And it wasn't because, you know, the commissioner will tell you, it wasn't because the conference was looking to expand. These are just, these additions, they just made sense. Um, and they, and they both strengthened the league quite a bit. And so I think it's going to be really, really exciting. I mean, Wichita state, um, I mean, they're going to be unbelievable this year. They have, they have really high high expectations around them. But I think adding all their sports, I mean, they have a huge baseball tradition as well. So it's going to be, it's going to be an interesting um, addition to the league, and I think, I think a really good one. Last question for you, Haley. What's going to be the, the, the next storyline for the American uh, in terms of, you know, as a conference as a whole? Um, you know, obviously whatever happens on the field, you know, this year notwithstanding, but what what are what are Commissioner Oresco and the powers that be uh, up in Rhode Island looking ahead to and think and and thinking about as uh, as this year is going to progress? Oh, man, that's a tough question. Um, you know, I mean, I guess as far best as I can tell, I think that you know it's 
I think it's like two things. I mean, I think, you know, looking ahead to, you know, I guess the nearest things to come in the future, I think that this football season is really important. Um, you know, anytime you launch a really um, aggressive branding campaign, I mean, you got to back it up. So I think that this football season is crucial in terms of achieving some of those results. Now, like one thing that was pointed out quite a bit at Media Day was that a lot of these power six non-conference games, a lot of them come on the road. And so, I mean, you're playing games against, you know, really tough opponents in their, you know, in an away environment. And so that is really tough. So I think, you know, the commissioner just hopes that, you know, obviously to get some of these wins, but just to play really competitive games. And one thing that he alludes to quite a bit is when you look at things like the TV deal um, coming up in the future, is that a lot of these non-conference games that the American has had, um, you know, on national television, I mean, the ratings have been better than some, you know, conference games within the Big Ten. I mean, the ratings that, you know, some of our teams get um, in their non-conference schedule are are some of the best. And the fact that we can play on Thursday and Friday nights and get those eyes um, is really important. So I just think that achieving results, being really competitive all season long, and I think we have a couple of you know, more than a couple, I should say, really impactful players in the league this season. Um, Quentin Flowers in the Heisman Trophy conversation. You have a player like Ed Oliver from Houston who's getting a ton of attention. And you have a guy like Cortland Sutton from SMU who could be a top uh, pick in this coming NFL draft. So I think that just backing up this campaign is going to be really big for the conference this year. And um, and continuing to brand ourselves um, in the best ways that we can and in a lot of ways that does come through social and digital. So um, I think those are kind of, I would say, the two big things from my perspective um, coming up in the near future. But, um, yeah. <laughs> well, that's a good segue. Uh, you know, Jeff's worried about what's down the road. I'm worried about what's coming up. Here in this fall, why don't you tell the audience what they can expect on the American Digital Network uh, coming this fall, whether it be as far as the football coverage and as well as there's coverage in the other sports? Well, I'm going to take vacation. <laughs> coming up <laughs> yeah, I promised you I'd be honest. So, wow. Uh, yeah, I know. It's okay, though. I think people people will survive now. I there's there's. Are you there's no sure the website's still going to be up? I mean, let's be honest here. It might crash. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, well, it's it's been interesting with Media Day falling so early this year. Um, there hasn't exactly been summer yet, but it's been uh, kind of a nice thing because now get a little bit of a you know quiet time before football season kicks in. But um, yeah. Gonna gonna enjoy summer here in this beautiful region of New England um, a little bit, but just gearing up for football season. And um, you know what? I don't really know exactly what's next, other than the fact that I know we have a ton of new plans for. Um, we're going to be incorporating a ton of new live events this fall. We'll be back again live at Basketball Media Day and our football championship game. But um, this year we plan on just kind of kicking our coverage up to the next level with our in-studio stuff from Providence. I know we want to get athletes, coaches, uh, members of the media on Skype a lot in our studio and get pretty interactive there on a weekly basis. We're going to redo the legendary show called The Rise this year. We're going to be coming to you on a daily basis instead of a weekly longer format. So that's probably one of the biggest changes I would say um, coming this fall is just more frequent coverage, um, shorter format things, and just try to reach as many people and hit as many stories as we can. But um, I think you'll see a lot more live components from us this year, especially at big events. Um, it seems to be pretty well received and we're still learning, but I think each event has gotten better and better. So that's been pretty cool. Well, you do a great job with it, Haley, and we're looking forward to seeing uh, more uh, work from you and more, more stuff from the American as the, uh, as the season progresses. Where can people uh, reach out to you on social? Pretty simple. At Haley Outen. And that's the trick is though that you have to be able to spell the first and last name, neither of which are easy because my first name looks like Hallie. So H A L I O U H T O N. Oh, excuse me, O U G H T. Oh, see, that's how hard it is to spell. I can't even do it, and I'm pretty good at spelling. Haley Outen for the American Athletic Conference host, reporter, media extraordinaire. Haley, thanks for spending some time. Now go hit the cape. 
Thanks a lot, guys. It was great as always, and uh, hopefully I'll see you guys soon. All right. Thanks again to Haley, and uh, don't forget, you can reach out to her on Twitter at Haley Outen, and just keep it locked on the American Digital Network uh, on uh, theamerican.org, and also uh, on YouTube. Just search for the American Athletic Conference on YouTube, where uh, where all the video content uh, is available. And uh, the American, uh, and again, the American.org, everything is, they do such a good job with the, um, with the digital coverage throughout the, uh, um, throughout the site. You know, we've seen that, you know, with, with our work with the American Digital Network and certainly Media Days were, um, were no different. So um, real quick, Eric, I wanted to get your, uh, your word on the uh, preseason polls because um, USF, like we said, Pick to finish second, unanimous pick to finish. Uh, excuse me, uh, USF pick to finish first, UCF pick to finish second uh, in the Eastern Division. The Bulls get uh, all thirty first place votes in the in the division. Uh, UCF is second, followed by Temple, Cincinnati, East Carolina, UConn. In the West, Memphis is the favorite, followed by Houston, Navy, Tulsa, SMU, and uh, Tulane. You think they got it right? Uh, you know, the West is tough, to be honest, that thing, that division is, yeah, I I, I was, but by the way, sorry to, sorry to dive in there, but I was, I was really surprised that Houston didn't get the first place vote. I wasn't, I mean, Tom Herman's not there. So there's a question about major Applewhite. Remember Greg Ward graduated at quarterback. So you don't know what the quarterback situation is, is going to be in Houston. We think it'll be Kyle Allen, but it may not be. We don't know. So I think there's questions there Whereas Memphis returns their people. They return their quarterback. And they return, you know, Coach Norvell in his second year. Uh, I think people liked how they finished the year. They're the pick in the West. I think they're really good. I mean, here's the thing that jumps out. I don't know if people realize, but UCF on paper right now would play the two, on paper anyway, the two best teams in the conference, the best team in the West and the best team in the East, the two teams that were picked in the preseason. They play Memphis in week two of the season. And, of course, USF to end the year. So, um, you know, and Haley brought up a good point about Navy. Navy is always going to get overlooked. I don't think people ever, you know, it's tough to kind of uh, figure out how good they are because they're really based on their scheme. They're based on the triple option. So mm-hmm. it's you don't really know, okay, is it the system or is it the talent level? And it's more about the system. So Navy always knows how to play well. Uh, you know, they, they, they won the league last year. It came down to the final game of the season the year before against Houston, if people forget. Houston beat Navy. Um, that was what it came down to. But it's it's and they're the on the schedule too <laughs> i know i would know on the road my, well i would know because i just booked my flight i'm going up there for that game so i'm looking forward to it so uh which tells you to the point that we talked about in the interview with haley there uh jeffrey is navy's a brand right and i remember how people kind of were skeptical about navy coming in as a football only uh deal and i i think they have more than provided a lot for the league and you know, I, you've told me this, and a lot of people have told me this. When I've told people you're going, that I'm going to the Navy game, they're like, "Oh, you're gonna love it's one of the great atmospheres in football. It's a great place. You got to check it out." And uh, that's what it pr- it provides to the conference. And uh, so I'm looking forward to that. Uh, but the West is stacked, and I think the East is kind of. I think people kind of don't know what to do there because there's so much newness in the coaching front and even player wise that. Uh, I think USF's the easy choice based on what they have returning. Uh, UCF, certainly questions as we'll get into as we get closer to the season. Uh, you know, they do lose guys in the secondary and the linebacking core. Uh, offensive line, are they going to get better? Quarterback play. But, um, you know, Cincinnati starting over with Luke Fickle. Uh, you know, Jeff Collins first year at Temple. You got, and, you know, Edsel at Connecticut, on and on. Scotty Montgomery at East Carolina is in his second year. So we – it it's, it feels to me, and I think you agree with this because I know you hate preseason polls. <laughs> we're, 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 a year ago at this time, I think everybody was talking about Houston, 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 right? They're going to go back to back. You know, they could be a playoff team. They didn't even win their division. So, and it was uh, looking real good there at the beginning too. It did. They beat Oklahoma to open the year, and you're like, oh yeah, there's no no doubt about it. Uh, it didn't happen. Um, I feel like it's going to be one of those years that. It's going to be one or I, I think there's going to be a team or two that surprises people and either wins the division or finishes high, competes for the division title that maybe we're not talking about. And uh, I'm sure many of us are hoping that maybe that UCF is in that category, that maybe UCF's the surprise, right? Because I feel like 
based on watching the media day, if anybody but USF wins the East, I think people would be surprised. I, is surprise the right word? Caught off guard? I don't know. But yeah. I mean, everybody, you know, everybody was pumping them up. That's all I'm saying. Now, maybe people, once they see teams play, uh, will change their tune. But I, I, there's clearly – that's the one thing everybody agreed over there is that USF's the clear team to beat, whether I don't necessarily 100% agree with that. But the free, that's the reality. And I think part of it is because of Quentin Flowers mm-hmm. and the returning guys that they have. But, yeah, I, I mean. I, they, uh, they are the it, favorite. It, they are the favorite. I, I, don't, I don't know if they're quite the head and shoulders favorite that everyone claims that they are. I, I, I do think that there's, there's going to be some regression under a new head coach just, just based on the nature of that situation. Um, but, you know. That I don't think that they're going to you know, they're they're going to come that far back to the pack. I, I would not be surprised. I would not be surprised if uh, you know on on Thanksgiving weekend uh, that war on I four game is for the East Division title. Well, I think that would certainly be exciting. I'm sure in the league offices when they schedule uh, yeah, it, that's what yeah, they that want, be, right? <laughs> right. That would make a lot of sense. Certainly got a long ways to go. You mentioned, I mean, let's let's break down the UCF schedule. Now that we know the preseason poll and take it for whatever it's worth, and I mentioned this earlier, UCF plays Memphis. That's their conference opener. That's the Western pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, might be the best team in the league. If you don't think USF's the best team in the league, I think people would tell you it's probably Memphis. Uh, they, they got a lot of tremendous talent coming back. I think we're going to learn a lot about UCF season in that game, by the way. But um, So you look at that game. You look at going to Navy, for example. Yep, that's so, going to be a tough game. Uh, that's two tough Western games. I mean, you look at the teams they're playing out from the West, and then, oh, by the way, you got to go to SMU, which a lot of people think are improved. There's people that think that Memphis, is, that SMU is too low in the preseason poll. Um, I think when you look at that, uh, you know, might be the key to winning the East might be to steal a game or two against those Western opponents and then beat those teams in the East head-to-head. I think that's what it's yeah. going to come down to um, from the UCF standpoint or USF standpoint. I'm actually trying to look up right now, Jeff. I want to compare what USF has to play in the West compared to what UCF has to play in the West because a lot of times people forget this with the uh, schedules. You know, you don't play everybody in the other division. Yeah, that's so, true. USF's uh, uh, Western slate. Includes Houston and Tulsa. Tulsa has a new quarterback. Haley alluded to that. They got a new quarterback. I mean, they won 10 games last year. I think they're under the radar myself as well. I kind of agree with her. Houston, again, that's it, uh, again, new quarterback situation, but that's that'll be interesting. So they got Houston you, you know, and, and Tulsa, and, and we'll see and, how uh, you uh, two, And Tulane, I think, is two, two lanes in the West, right? Yeah. Yeah, and uh, well, and that's at Tulane. That's the team that probably everybody's the consensus is they're in last place. So I think you could argue on paper anyway that USF benefits from having Tulane on the schedule there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and obviously they they will benefit from the fact that they go to UConn in September. They don't have to go in November. Right. I think that USF caught a break in that. They host Temple at home. Uh, you know, they, yeah, they, they basically host have no cold weather games. They host Houston. They do host Tulsa. You know, one of the things that's going up against UCF here is UCF's got to go to Navy. Uh, UCF's got to go to SMU. Uh, UCF's got to go to Temple in November, as you mentioned, whereas USF, mm-hmm. really the way the road games broke out, you nailed it. They don't have any cold games. They, they, they end the year at UCF. They play at Tulane, and they play at East Carolina in September. I think that's yeah. a very – man. you know, that's why I think a lot of people like USF as much – just as much as not – if not for the talent or the roster, it's because of the schedule. I think they've got a very obviously manageable schedule. Uh, non-conference, to be honest, is kind of a joke. I mean, Oh, their non-conference a- schedule is a, a complete catastrophe. They start the season at San Jose State a week before the start of the season proper, Saturday, August 26th. Uh, they are home for Stony Brook, which I didn't even know had a football team. Uh, they they, uh, uh, they have a Friday night game at home against Illinois, which, whoop de doo you're playing a Big Ten team. Oh, you're playing hey, Illinois. Hey, okay. Smith, baby. Lovey Smith coming back. Yeah. And, uh, and, and then on Saturday, October the 14th, in the middle of their conference slate, they've got UMass at home. So. 
Yeah, I mean, look, they've got a much easier schedule than UCF. But again, UCF's got to go. They host Memphis. That's a tough game at home. Mm-hmm. Got to go to Cincinnati. Luke Fickle. We don't know what to expect there, but that's on the road. Well, the other Homecoming. thing too. The, the other thing too, I was going to mention about USF too. Sorry, Eric. Was yeah. In between that Tulane road game on October 21st for USF and the and the War on I four game on uh, Black Friday, they've got three games at home in a row: uh, right. Cincinnati, Houston, and Tulsa. Right, and that could be their toughest stretch. Um, and they're all at home. Exactly. So the schedule is broken right for them, whereas UCF, you know, they got some challenges. Got to go to Cincinnati. Got to go to Navy. Mm-hmm. Uh, got to go to SMU. You got Georgia Tech uh, Georgia Tech at home and then at Maryland back-to-back. Right, in the non-conference. So right. it's just not, you know, it'll be interesting. You know, I mean, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, as we'll get into it here, but between now and the uh, opening kickoff against FIU, when we get to that date, uh, on opening night on that Thursday, the 31st, um, they're going to have to improve in some areas, in particular in the offensive side and the offensive line. Got to get much better to provide the running game and, again, get better quarterback play. Improvement, I would say. Get improvement, which is what you always expect, especially when you have a young player in that position. And obviously you're going to have some young guys in the linebacking core in the secondary are going to have to step up early. So it's it's a challenging schedule, but – on the other hand, I think that could pay off for UCF later in the year because they'll be battle tested. Whereas some people might question whether USF will be battle tested by the time they get to that game in Orlando. We're getting ahead of ourselves, but that's kind of the interesting plot lines as we kind of count down to kickoff. But uh, I'm just happy that we're talking about it in general, and uh, soon enough we'll hopefully start to get some answers. But I do think, and I'm, I'm going to keep. I've said this when the schedule came out, and I'm going to say it again. As we get closer to the, that Memphis game, September 9th, I think, Jeff, will learn a lot about the 2017 season and where it's headed. Because you'll learn a lot. Cause that's that that's a heck of a football game. And and that's why I'm pleased that UCF is now playing on that Thursday night beforehand. Because you you want to have to be prepared for that talented Memphis team. And then you mentioned that with Georgia Tech and Maryland, uh, Georgia Tech at home and then Maryland on the road. So it will September will be we'll, we'll learn a lot in September, probably yeah. more than me in past years. Yeah, I I think you're right about that. And that's going to be kind of a real trial by fire because I, I look at those first four games before you play Maine at home, that sort of um, FCS uh, matchup with Maine. You know, let's not sleep on FIU in their first game under Butch Davis either. All right. You know that they're going to come out jacked up for that game. We know that, you know, obviously there were some, you know, talent problems with FIU, but we're going to find out, I think, real quick, you know, were the issues that they had talent-related or coaching-related. So there's that. Yes, you start your first three at home, but like you said, yes, that Memphis game on Saturday, September 9th, second game of the season, you're going to find out real quick where you stand. And and I still go back to the fact that, you know, it, it's at this, this quirk of the schedule actually works out for UCF where you play Georgia Tech before you play Navy. So you're going to get a look at that triple option offense once yep. in a non-conference game against Paul Johnson in Georgia Tech. Paul Johnson coached at Navy before he went to Georgia Tech, and Ken Niamatololo took over for him in Annapolis. So at least your defense gets to gets to look at that that scheme once before you play what I think you know could be a very big conference road game. In Annapolis in uh, in late October, so um, that actually works out for UCF in UCF's favor. Not a lot of stuff in the schedule does that does. Yeah, I would agree with that. It's hard to prepare for a triple option. I don't think people understand that because you're not you you don't practice that you don't run that offense. Uh, right. You don't it's, see it's it like often. it's like playing a different sport when you're on defense and you're playing a triple option team. Right. And as a defense, you only have a few days to prepare for it with limit, you know, practice and hours, and, and it's just a very tricky thing. So the fact that they got two opponents in the in the schedule that have that offense that will pay off for them uh, the second time around against Navy. I think they'll be much more prepared uh, for the Navy game. Uh, not that they wouldn't be for Georgia Tech, but any mistakes and errors that they will make in the Georgia Tech, they'll kind of be much more comfortable going into the Navy game because they would have gone through the experience of playing that uh, style. Already, granted, yeah. it's on the road and all that, but I, I agree a hundred percent. I do think, in a way, that does benefit them. Whereas I, you know, and it's a month apart too, so 
uh, that helps as well. Uh, that you know you kind of can use that tape, and you'll have, and I'm sure that you'll, you'll take those notes moving uh, a month a month in advance. All right, so we'll be keeping track of that as the uh, uh, off season continues with uh, summer practice coming up right around the corner here. Uh, as uh, once again, media days are wrapped up for the American Athletic Conference, and we can now smell football season right around the corner. All right, Elo, let's uh, put a bow on this thing. What do you got coming up this week? Well, I think UCF fans will like this coming up. Actually, if you go to, uh, I, I do some softball content. I uh, host a podcast and write on fastpitchnews.com, which is a softball site. Uh, coming up on Monday, I will. Uh, it'll come out, and we're going to actually uh, do a future episode here on this. Uh, I interviewed recently Linnea Goodman, former UCF softball player, just played on the Swedish national team in the Euro Championship. So I had a chance to talk to her about that. We also reflected about her UCF softball career. So that interview will be out, and I know we're going to recap it and break it down on a future uh, episode here as well uh, as we talk about some of the storylines offseason, of course, on that. I just had a chance recently to catch up with Shelby Turnier, uh, talk to her. She's doing very well uh, playing the bandit season right now. But, uh, no, it's uh, still news going on. So, yeah, look for that coming out uh, in the next week or so, depending on when you're hearing this. Uh, episode it'll uh, it'll be out on the uh, Monday the 24th of July so uh, but we we will actually recap that uh, on a future episode here as well so be on the lookout for that because uh, I know Jeff's got he's he's gonna be he's gonna he's gonna be drilling me with questions coming in in that episode <laughs> I just know it so I'll be prepared for that but uh, yeah that's kind of what's coming up in the near future there as far as the I have work in the, and you can obviously get the details on Twitter at Eric Lopezilo. Good stuff, and you can follow me at Jeff underscore Sharon. You can follow us at UCF underscore Banneret, where we will continue to have um, summer sessions going through. Make sure you check out some of our other summer sessions. We've had Jermaine Taylor, a two-parter with Al Miller that uh, was really amazing. Make sure you take a look at that. Um, we had uh, Amanda Cromwell, from, uh, a former UCF uh, women's soccer coach, on there talking about Team USA, Tony DeChico. So far, things have been going uh, pretty well. So, and, uh, you know, as, like we said, as we get closer to football, we'll have a bunch of, um, you know, a, we'll have a, a number of different, uh, fun things coming up, uh, right around the corner. Make sure you subscribe to us on, uh, iTunes, uh, as well as, uh, SoundCloud, Google play and tune in. And, uh, don't forget to leave us a, uh, a rating as well on iTunes. Let us know how we're doing. And if you have any questions, by the way, by the way, uh, or uh, if you have any uh, suggestions for interviews, our new email address is up, and it is black and gold banneret, black and gold banneret at gmail.com. black and gold banneret at gmail.com. So fire off a message to us, let let us know uh, how we're doing and what you want to hear. So. So that'll do it for us for this uh, summer session. Thanks again to Haley Outen as well from the American Athletic Conference. And thanks to you, Eric Lopez. I'm Jeff Sharon. We will catch you on our next Black and Gold Banneret Summer Sessions.